To master your life, you need to master your energy and emotions. And so, like, we have a fairly, I said, a fairly straightforward process for that. We call GIS, that just stands for gratitude, intention, surrender, and trust. The more you're in a grateful state, and there are other good states as well, like appreciation, love, abundance. But the more you're in those heart-centered, open states, the more lightly, and I say this is a little bit spiritual, but it's very based in physics, the more lightly the universe will respond to your intentions. So then when you set your intentions and goals, because they're coming from that heart-centered place, they're more likely to be, like anything that is more likely to be a win for society, yourself, and the other people involved, like the universe is far more likely to support. This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, mindset, and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. In 1910, a report came out. It's called the Flexner Report, and it was in part funded and supported by the Rockefeller family and their foundation. And the Flexner Report highlighted the rigorous scientific approach of German medical schools and European medical schools and philosophy at that time. The American scientific approach to medicine that followed in the aftermath of the Flexner Report is in part, if not entirely, the reason and nature of our modern science-based medical system that we know today. One of the things that happened in the aftermath of this report and in the funding that flowed to this new German model of science was the all-but elimination of bioenergetic medicine and research into bioenergetic systems of medicine. One of the criticisms of some of the modalities within naturopathic medicine, the training and background of my career and my education, is that it lacks evidence. And the interesting thing that I have always found around this notion of evidence is that we only have evidence when we can fund and create it. A lack of evidence doesn't mean the lack of something's existence. It simply means the lack of reported data related to a scientific observation. See, science, science starts with an observation. When appropriately funded or guided through universities or other private institutions, we can start to unpack and understand those observations. Some of those observations go nowhere, while others we are able to unravel and unpack the mechanism of of chemical action or energetic action uh, and, and draw from it hypotheses and truths. Truths that can be challenged down the road because science isn't static. Science is a process we created to understand the world around us. But when science itself is biased towards understanding only one version of the world, the chemical version of the world, the abundance of evidence that flows from that predominant philosophy biases our own understanding of truth versus belief. I can't sit here and tell you that everything I have observed in terms of bioenergetic medicine is true 
or can be supported by our man-made system known as scientific inquisition. I can share with you that many of the bioenergetic experiences and modalities and interventions that I have leveraged in practice can now be quantified through modern scientific tools. So much of what we believe to be true, so many of the things that we take a sigh of relief in knowing came from science, actually emerged to our attention because of our own human biases. And the Flexner Report is an example of the intersection of history and personal interest, the Rockefeller interest of controlling both the chemical and the oil industries in America at that time, and the subsequent fallout, the fallout in terms of how we view some of these elements as a society. Now, I share this conversation not to blame any one individual, in fact, not to place blame at all, simply to add context to how our history has evolved, how our bias has actually driven rise to industries as large as the pharmaceutical industry in North America, a $1.25 trillion North American industry alone. I share this context because it is important as I walk into the conversation that I'm going to share with all of you today. This conversation is part of a series called The Future of Health, and exploring the future of health means that we look at a variety of verticals and access points to better quality of life. Better quality of life does not just mean better treatments. Better quality of life can also mean access to preventative interventions unrivaled in that post-Flexner medical model and system. Today, my conversation is with a forward-thinking bioenergetic researcher named Harry Massey. Harry has a variety of companies that build bioenergetic tools to help us quantify what's happening in the energetic field and infoceuticals used to actually treat the body's energetic field. It is a realm few of us have had exposure to in the past. And what I'm excited to deliver to you today is a series of ideas and a compelling conversation about some of the ways energy can be leveraged for healing and prevention and higher quality of lives in the future. It is sincerely my pleasure to introduce you to my friend, Harry Massey. Harry Massey, welcome to Impact. Megan Walker, good to be here. Well, this is a conversation that I feel like has the universe has been like setting us up for uh, for the last little while. Your name and your work have been familiar to me for a great deal of time, and I just kept putting it out there. I'm like, when the timing is right, I'm going to have the chance to meet to meet the famous Harry Massey. And uh, I was so fortunate to finally have that opportunity at the end of the summer. And now it just, now it just keeps happening. So clearly this was, uh, this was meant to be. Now I know a little bit about your story, Harry, but before we start to talk about the future of health and blow people's minds with your insight and perspective around where we are heading, I'm wondering if you could share with my audience a little bit about you and your story, because it's a compelling part of why we're here. Sure. So when I was 20, I basically used to do lots of rock climbing. I would climb these overhanging cliffs above the sea with the waves crashing below. I'd climb 4,000 meter um, overhanging peaks in the French Alps. We'd also do ice climbing. And, you know, unfortunately, I had these free climbing incidents that led me to being bedridden with 
uh, with chronic fatigue syndrome for the next seven years. I can quickly take you through those. So the first time we went, we went ice climbing up Ben Nevis and ice is really, really brittle. And once when I put my ice axe in, unfortunately the ice shattered and I ended up falling down onto the steep slope slopes below. I ended up in a lot of back pain, but I was only, I think I was 20 or 21 at the time. And, you know, I basically ignored it. And it wasn't for another, it wasn't actually for another two years when I'd had a paragliding accident that, that I was told that I'd fractured my spine before. So I actually fractured my spine that day. Another few months went past. I went out to the French Alps, was cl- climbing up a mountain there, started getting this fever, got down off the mountain as soon as I could. That turned out to be glandular fever. So I checked into a hotel, like sweated it out, went back to university, you know, got through my uh, final year at university, my exams, got my first job, was fired because I I was basically getting increasingly exhausted and having to take all these days off because I I basically didn't recover from the the glandular fever, you know, sort of um, like post-viral fatigue. I thought I could heal myself through just good good exercise so i went back out to the alps thinking i'll do like three four months and 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 heal myself with french good french food and and mountaineering Uh, i couldn't have been more wrong i just ended up so exhausted i ended up stuck in a tent for around i think it was for 10 days just eating dried bananas till i could get the energy to get myself back to england I would pull off the motorway every 45 minutes to sleep, get back in the car and, you know, just sort of slowly, slowly drove myself back. And that really was, was the beginning of, of being bedridden for, for around seven years. I tried absolutely everything you can possibly think of from like uh, all the normal functional meds stuff like ozone, IVs. I did. Gerson therapy, the Holder Clark stuff. Uh, I actually also did like a three week water fast, and it was, it was actually that water fast I ended up losing a third of my body weight. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't exactly an overweight person because I was a fit, fit mountaineer. <laughs> that really ended up making me end up being in a wheelchair and ending up bedridden. So after, it's after about three, four years of being bedridden, trying to try all these different things, I just thought to myself, well. Why don't I study where energy comes from? Because energy, you know, fundamentally, I, I didn't have energy it's instead of trying to instead of trying to get rid of like all these toxins and viruses. And just in looking at that, I came across this term bioenergetics, which is the study of energy in living systems. So I asked, actually, asked my doctor at the time if he knew any energy researchers. He put me in touch with. This professor from Australia called Professor Peter Fraser. I wrote to him via fax, actually, and and then he sent me back this paper. And the headline said, "I don't know why I'm sending you this." And I read it; didn't make much sense. But it, but you know, you, you can tell when you can tell when something is like really sort of out of, out of the box and and extraordinary. So. I re recontacted him and I, I had this idea to create a home wellness system. So I just thought if you could help people get well at home, A, I might get better, B, other people would get better, uh, and C, I could generate an income outside of like, li- you know, living with my parents. He basically 
he sort of looked at me and he's like, well, if this kid is, is going to get anywhere with this, I'm going to have to get him better. So I became his research guinea pig and he started sending me what, what we now call an infusicomol. I'll explain that later, but it, it's, it's, bas- it's basically a remedy that will trigger a, a healing response. And he was sending me these posts. I would get these incredible reactions. So for instance, like the first thing we wanted to do was deal with all the all the autoimmune viruses that were going on in me. I got this two to three day fever. And then, you know, that that fever went away. It wasn't like I was totally magically healed, but a lot of my autoimmune symptoms started started to lessen. Uh, he made me one called ESR that stands for emotional stress release because I was really, really constantly wired, even though I was exhausted. And then I just ended up tired and less wired or he made a and another one he made an antidote to an mmr vaccine i got this boil coming out on my on my arm from that basically you know it was over around like 14 to 16 months most of my symptoms went away and you know long story short he he was in australia he agreed to leave australia and he so he moved to england where we set up a, an R&D company that's now called Nest Health. And we basically spent the next 10 years mapping out the energy and information of the human body field, which we see as this energetic control system. And that turned up, that turned into this system that we now use to analyze the energy and health of, of like organs and meridians, like mind, body, uh, and trauma. And, uh, and it's also turned into like other companies and other products too but yeah that's the that's that's the story oh my gosh there's so many things that came out of that the first the first thing my brain had to say when you were telling the story is can you share with my listeners what a fax machine is because it's huh. just been the, the irony of the irony of the fax machine in this story as we t- get into the future of health and talking about bioenergetics is that yeah he didn't cl- use email i mean email I existed email didn't exist but it was I guess people don't know a fax machine. Okay, so yeah, it's basically you write you write a letter, and this machine would read, would read the letter, yeah. and then it would come out. You know, the the other the other side. Printer. I know it was it. It made me laugh because of all the technology we have in medicine, we still transfer patient information between medical clinics on fax machine because it's considered like the only way to be truly confidential in sharing uh, information. Uh, but we're not going to unpack that that little blip in forward momentum in the healthcare system. When you talk about the Nest system and you talk about mapping the energetic field of the human body, I think we lost some people at Fax Machine and then we lost a lot of other people there. When you talk about this idea of mapping the energetic field of the human body, what are you talking about? So, you know, the, I mean, the first people to do it were the Chinese um, and they they actually mapped out the meridians of the body. 5,000 years ago, uh, they were actually, at that point, they weren't using metal needles. They were using little shaved bamboo sticks, and they would basically notice, you know, when they would stick it in these different points on the body, how it affects other organs. And, you know, and it's a very iterative process, but they basically mapped out the, what we would call like en- energy channels. And it's basically how energy and information would flow through the body. So Peter originally set up a, the first acupuncture college in Australia, like 50 odd years ago now. And but his well, he had a very sort of research-based brain. So he started doing all these 
other experiments to see uh, to see how the energy and information would work within different different tissues and cells, and he would combine you know, ideas from uh, from physics, also but also other forms of alternative holistic medicine. So we ended up with like a much uh, broader, fuller map of how energy and information works in the body, and it's it's that map that we call what well, we call the human body field, or another another way that you could look at it is. You know, if you're looking at control systems in the body, there's sort of two types of control systems. There's the chemical-based control system that you know, pharmaceuticals work on, supplements work on, and you know, cells have have cell receptors for for molecules, and, and they res, you know they respond when a you know when a molecule hits those or locks into one of those receptors. But there's also field-based receptors, and the thing in a field-based in a field-based communication system is it's much more rapid. I mean, I say it's rapid. I mean, it goes at the speed of light. That's pretty much in instantaneous. And that's wonderful because in the body, you have 70 trillion cells. Whenever I see you writing things, I'm like, oh, you're going to ask me something else. <laughs> no. I, so you don't know this. I doodle while I'm podcast interviewing and I like map out where my brain is going. So just anyway, have I'll, no I'll fear. I'll, I'll carry on with the 70 trillion cells. Um, so you know, there's 70 trillion cells in the body, and actually each cell is um, around 3 trillion operations happening in each cell every single second. And you know, it's almost as if by magic that the you know the body, the body, our body state stays alive. It manages to coordinate all those functions pretty much instantaneously. And it, and it can't actually do that from a chemical-based control system. Like you, you need the chemicals, you know, to live, to to repair, um, to to do a lot of things. However, it's not actually the fundamental control system that that, that just keeps uh, just just keeps everything operating in in, in real time. Um, and to do that, you you need a much faster, more rapid control system. And that's our field-based control system, and which is. It's mostly based on photons, but it does actually go across the full, uh, the full spectrum away from from sound to light. So, like, um, yeah, you know, the heart will generate a ma- like a magnetic field. Even the lungs actually generate like phonons, or if you hum, there's uh, you know effects from from sound. But mostly, you can look at it as a as a photon based communication system. If it's principally photon based, is is light one of those pieces that can like has you know some of the strongest influence on the body is it one of the things we need to both like yeah, fear you know, and even, respect even food so food if you're looking at the the vegetable kingdom you need to call it red pepper yellow pepper um you know green green dandelion leaf it's actually the color and how light uh, like a wavelength of light um well sorry how, how light when it's entering the body and it and it hits you know a green molecule it's actually the it's actually the wavelength that's actually having a lot of the effect on the body. So e- even from a food point of view, it's actually photon based. Is there a color of food that you have a propensity towards choosing? Uh, different. Yeah, definitely different people. Like if you're looking at like five element theory, right? guessing you're, are you a wood person? A word person? A wood. Are you a wood element? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're a wood element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm a wood, most entrepreneurs are wood elements. Uh, so that, 
that would be green because uh, green things support the liver. Fair. I'm turning around because I literally have my principles of Chinese medicine and five element theory textbooks sitting beside me on the on the floor. I'm bringing I'm bringing it all bringing it all to the conversation. How close? We, we should both have more green in our offices. Neither of us do. Right? Yeah, I know. I've got a lot of pink. I'm not really sure what that that has to. I don't know what this is doing to me. All this all this pink and red light in this room. How close were the ancient Chinese in terms of their understanding of that human energy field? It's actually amazing what what they did. I I mean, well, the, the whole meridian system is 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 totally accurate. It's just missing more detail that we've been able to get from from modern science and different you know different techniques to to map it out further. And so, no, I mean, it's 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 correct. It's just in its own system and and language limited by where we were at scientifically yeah, yeah. and our capacity to view it. You you mentioned the science. Well, I mean, I mean, there's a few things wrong, I guess, if you go down a rabbit hole, like I think they didn't have a spleen and things like that. Right. But yeah. So when you talk about this, the, you know, the modern science that has enabled us to uncover these things, I think one of the uh, one of the criticisms, I, I mean, I have received as a, as a naturopathic doctor and someone who used energetic therapies in their, in their practice, I'm sure you hear this conversation all the time is, well, I don't believe in it because there's no science. Can we just attack that uh, sentiment head on and, and reframe where we are actually at in terms of the science catching up with some of the, uh, I'm going to call it the observations that, you know, came out of traditional Chinese medicine because we didn't necessarily have the capacity to quantify it. Where, where are we in the, in the coming together of belief and science related to the energetic piece? There's an awful lot of science. Like, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of, of research papers, you know, looking at photon based communication in the body, like magnetic fields, PMF, biofeedback. That's all, I don't know, that's all slightly boring stuff. But where, where the, where the cutting edge is, is really looking, is really looking at how information that's, that's carried within, you know, what we're calling this energetic control system or field based control system is the effects of how that information can have on the body. So for instance, in the the last year and a half, University of San Diego, California, um, they've been researching some of the effects of of our infraceuticals. And I know we never explained infraceutical, but basically we've imprinted information into colloidal minerals. The the minerals per se aren't, aren't that important. It's just the it's just a medium to, to carry information, but the, inf- the information, it, it's incredible. So if you can directly input information into your operating system, you can basically get different tissues and cells to respond in certain ways. And it's like one of the experiments, we have a, an infraceutical called cell driver. Now we, we know clinically from the last 22 years, you know, it's, it's had all these beneficial effects on patients, but we hadn't actually proven it out in the laboratory. So they would just get um, these cell cultures. We would imprint them with cell driver and then just measure the density of mitochondria. And then they, and they repeat these experiments many, many times over. And we saw a, a 50% increase in the density in mitochondria in the cell. Uh, we also saw a 67% protection from uh, of mitochondrial damage from reactive oxygen species or uh, 
more layman's version of that would basically from environmental damage. I mean, generally toxins will just just create uh, like oxidation, so we can just protect. We can basically just protect the mitochondria from environmental damage. We saw some improvements in the cell membrane resilience. Uh, and again, translation meaning like the the healthy good nutrients are more easily able to transfer, but it, it keeps the bad stuff out. We also did a lot of well because it was 2020, 2021, and university was getting grants from NIH for COVID. They were very fascinated with COVID. And, and actually, that's how we first met them, because uh, I met Professor Hemel and said, well, you know, we've, we've got a, an infraceutical that, that we believe uh, would, you know, would, 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 would help protect the body from COVID. And he was good enough to see if that was true. So they would take a culture of lung tissue where we just provide the infraceutical that protects it from COVID, they would then basically, and I say inject, but I can't think of the right word right the second, but uh, sorry, infect. So they would basically then infect the lung tissue with uh, COVID virus, and they use uh, and they basically color the the virus so they so they can measure the level of penetration, and it basically would reduce the the penetration level um or another way of looking at it is basically increase its rate of, of rejection from lung tissue different i can give you some different experiments what happened i'm like feel like i'm sitting on the edge of my seat i will be will be well basically it'll, it'll it'll help protect you from from covid they only did a 24 hour test so i think we saw we sort of thought we saw a 42 percent reduction in the viral penetration rate into the lung tissue in 24 hours Wow, and that, they're now actually going to do it over a whole week because I'm I'm pretty sure if you ran it over five or six days, it'll it'll totally reject it because they only did a 24 hour window, so I can't say it fully rejects it, but yeah, we shall see. What is modern life doing to these energy systems in the body? Because we talk about you know as you're describing is this idea of infoceuticals and this this minute amount of information and how it can have such a, a, a tremendous and cascading healing response in the body. I can only imagine how resilient the body needs to be to just walk down the street between the Wi-Fi and the overhead wires. And I'm living in the city and the pollution and the noise and the light. Like that's a very really fascinating question. I'm like, I'm never I'm, leaving my, never leaving the soundproof podcast so I'm studio again. News. I've got good news on that. Okay, good, because I'm freaking out here a little bit, Harry. In the middle of the pandemic, we bought an RV and like traveled around, um, well, Montana uh, and a bunch of other states, but Montana in particular. And we were driving past and there was this huge sign on the roadside that said, uh, Merry Willow radio Radioactive Healing Mine. And we're like, what? So we pull in. So, of course. And, so, of course. And then there's these people who've like different cancers, leukemia, all sorts of stuff. They they go into this into this mine for, for 10 days and they basically they basically get they get healed of all their conditions. Anyway, to answer your question, so I went down this rabbit hole of of hormesis and there's a great book of all these collection of papers, not really a book, it's a collection of research papers on hormesis. And in that book there was um ones on on radioactivity. It just so happens. So there's certain areas, like if you live near a nuclear power station, you actually have a lower cancer rate, or the certain buildings would have radon gas build up. 
um, that again have lower cancer rates. Or if, when you're looking in Japan, they have lower cancer rates. Yet they had you know the uh, Hiroshima, etc. It basically turns out that very very low dose, um, where it's radioactivity, heavy metals, or you know Wi-Fi and EMF, it's actually a biphasic response curve. So low dose actually strengthens the body. If you like, it's a little bit like exercise. Like if you exercise hard, um, you know, your your body becomes stronger. So the good news on all that is actually as long as long as you're only exposing yourself to low amounts, which is generally the truth with, you know, our lovely cell phones. I mean, like you don't want to live right next to a big cell phone tab, but like using your cell phone is pretty is relatively low dose. It actually strengthens. So I I used to get pretty worried about all that stuff and I I don't so much anymore. And it and it and that biphasic response it is actually relative to the health to your health and your level of energy so you know if you are really sick like i used to be you are way way more sensitive so you know so when you're more when you're really really sick it's it's far more important to increase your level of energy or what i would call your body battery like you 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 want to recuperate your energy um and when your energy levels at a certain state or then introducing a bit of Hormesis is is actually healthy. I want to talk about this resilience notion for a quick second, because it has been my observation clinically that we are certainly not all constructed the same. And I have found it a fascinating inclusion in my practice to add a a lens uh, and ability to look at a genetic profiling of of patients. It doesn't tell the whole story for sure. But for you, what is the intersection between genetic information and then the research that that you're doing around that the energetic field and bioenergetics? Is there a relationship here? Can we tell in our genetics um, what something's going to look like bioenergetically or are these two separate systems? They're related because um, d- different genetics will give you a slightly, obviously it gives you a slightly different body feel. Although within, you know, within that body field or what we call an energetic control system, there's a lot of common elements. So like when we provide information for a healthy liver or healthy heart, that's good for it, for everyone. Like we don't go down the, you know, the fully personalization route. And I would say like a general thing in the whole sort of um, genetics thing. So uh, have you ever read any of Bruce Lipton's books? Mm-hmm. He's he's a big proponent of saying like the the envi- the environment is far more important, or what I would say is how you're exchanging energy for your environment. You know what you're actually doing and your and your habits and how how you're living is actually more is more more important than your genetics. Unless of course you're born with a you know very significant genetic um like genetic disease. I mean that that obviously sort of doesn't really work for that. But uh, you know what? What Bruce Lipton would say is like ninety ninety percent of your health outcome is actually your environment, uh, not your genes. And the problem when you go really deeply down the gene route is it can be a little bit dis disempowering because you're like, well, that's the genes I've got. I'm, I'm stuck. That luck with. of the draw. Yeah. I can do. Luck of the draw. Um, I, you know that's not necessarily particularly helpful, and so. Yeah, I say the good part of it is actually ninety nine percent is actually how you interact with the environment, and even and even like a lot of the genes that can have a negative thing, like they're sort of like a double edged sword. 
And when you exchange energy or your habits properly with the environment, they can have a, you know, they can have a really good outcome as well. Like, um, like I'm a double, I think it's a double comp plus, which, um, you know, is a very, it's a pretty overactive brain, you know, the negative side in the wrong situations, it could, you know, that could give you like mate, like mania and sleeplessness and all that sort of stuff. But the positive side of it, if it, you know, when you're managing it properly and living in your environment, makes you highly, highly intelligent and able to get lots done in a, in a, you know, pretty sustainable way. So, you know, most genes have this double edged sword. And now, unfortunately, I do think there's a bit of an over-focus on the negative aspects of genes versus saying they're really double edged. When you talk about this environment piece, I understand that. So clinically, I would get way more obsessed with what people do every single day than what they did a few times a year. Like they would love to tell me the random vices. I'm like, no, I want to know about your daily habits. What do you change up in your environment? Like we talked a bit about this before, like leaving the bubble of my podcast studio, but like what things are you specifically attuned to in your life and in your space? Because you find they actually are maybe over-indexed in affecting that bioenergetic field. From an information aspect, you know, an, an information is probably, a, it might be a bit of an odd concept for people, but, and I might have to explain that, but, you know, if, if you look at sort of the physics of reality, like we have, you know, our physical tissue and, and like physical objects above that really you have energy and above that you have information. And really Einstein said, the sole governing force of the particle is the field. What he meant by that is this actually fundamentally information actually governs energy, which in turn is actually creating the physical reality you see. So in terms of answering the question, like the information behind the objects in your environment, I know you probably see like I have all sorts of funny little things like gold to tune carbon thrown in the background, <laughs> a Buddha head, a nice little crystal flare. Um, that's actually a painting that was drawn for a Joe Dispenser art auction that's meant to like um be the quantum and manifestation. But I so in in my sort of thinking, like um and like Feng Shui would be you know a good example. So you know you want you want the objects that have that have right. good information behind it. Like that's from a room perspective. In terms of like daily habits, I mean, um, I mean, I live in the, I live in the mountains, so I can go on nice, nice long, nice long grounding walks. Um, yeah, I mean, all that sort of stuff. Probably all everyone knows in, about stuff. Intentional, intentional pieces. Tell us a little bit more about you've done all this research and you've gone down this tool and you have this research company, but like you also have built actual products leveraged by uh, practitioners. And I want to talk a little bit about energy for life, but like, how has all of this work actually manifested into tools that change the trajectory of how people live? Uh, so in different ways. So we've got a so our practitioner company, Nest Health. We make something called a biogenic wellness system uh in that you can basically scan the energy or it's easier to say health to be honest um like the health of your different organs your different meridians the mind body connections and then from that i say we we recommend pharmaceuticals that will trigger a healing response back in those parts of the body that the scan identified we also make a, a my health device that device it's like 
partly uses electro stim, partly uses these resonant frequencies that we mapped out that have a, like a harmonious effect on different systems in the body. And it partly carries the information that, that we're describing those infraceuticals on the signal. That'll basically trigger a very direct heating response, like directly where you where you put it on the body. And so it's very good for like um, injuries and, and pain. Um, it does more than that, but I'm not really allowed to claim it. So, <laughs> but it, it'll 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 basically help where, where you use the where you use the device. And then from a consumer point of view, so we we haven't quite launched, but in in January we're launching a company called Energy for Life. That's a it's called a GEM that stands for a guided energy management system that will detect, correct, and protect your emotional energy. Uh, and, and with that, so in the tea, sorry, traditional Chinese medicine idea, you can pick up like 29 pulses by feeling the pressure and basically the shape of the pulse. We've been able to use a, a PPG sensor uh, that'll categorize the, the shape of your pulse wave and actually before you mentioned about your whoop so whoop is only looking at heart rate look i've got all the things harry so i've got all the things okay well yeah so it's looking at heart rate heart rate variability and it's tracking your your movement with a little movement sensor and those are actually all data points from like yesterday and it works out an algorithm of what it thinks is going on right Uh, but it's not actually telling you right now your actual vitality but if a tcm practitioner went like this he would be able to tell you or mm-hmm. she um that you're that you're depleted right then and so that's quite interesting so ba- so basically it's looking at that full shape we can then categorize it using some tcm principles and then we we translate that into actually like five element theory and emotional language because it's detecting correcting protecting your emotional energy although if you're trained in tcm you you would understand what what organs it's affecting to again i'm not allowed to claim that for a consumer <laughs> a consumer product but that's the Fair. games and then it has a, a pendant that will it'll basically imprint the biosignatures directly into your body we do it over the the heart because we can pick up your pulse we can actually pulse pmf that exactly uh, is exactly in the same resonance as your heartbeat so then we're putting information in just as your heart is is beating and so your um your heart feels like travels five meters out and so it'll carry the information to the rest of the body and again with that we can correct your like any meridians that are distorted um and more well i say more importantly but we're also helping all of the emotions and really the point of all of that is like the more awareness we can give people into their emotions and overall energy then we can help like say i say save people's energy but basically make people's energy use much more efficient because if your use of energy is more efficient then you end up with a higher level of energy available you know what we would call your body battery if you've got more energy available than you need on a day-to-day basis you have energy left over the healing for living longer if you're using more energy than you really have you you know, you get more tired, you don't live as long, etc. So we're basically doing it to to help you have more energy available. It's so inter- so I'm sitting here and people can't see me because they're listening to me, but my eyes are like growing because um, I'm 
I'm all in. I'm like, Harry, when is, when is launch date on, uh, on this? I love this. And it, you know, it segues as you're talking about this around energy preservation and emotional triggers. And as I have more conversations with individuals around the future of health, so much of that conversation on certainly on the preventative and healing side is around uh, control of emotion and how much of our emotions are actually, um, they're not just being triggered, but sabotaged by our daily living. And I think that tools that enable us to have greater insight on that are critical for us actually being able to heal and navigate the world. I'm curious your thoughts on those, on those pieces. But for me, this has been, this has been a huge realization that my, my emotions are being sabotaged by all of these other forces. And I've really had to create these very distinct intentional boundaries, but that's taken a ton of work and that's a lot of awareness and that's hanging out with people like you, you know, for the average person, I think having some type of biofeedback tool that alerts them and enables them to pair emotional situations with, with triggers. uh, I think it has the capacity to accelerate a greater understanding and ability to control their healing. I don't have a question there. Like, is this part of the intention? Is this one of the ways we can use it? I've got a, I've got a comment. Um, Good. (laughs) Good. So, so how we think about how you master your life, uh, basically to master your life, you need to master your energy and emotions. And so like we have a fairly, I said, a fairly straightforward process for that. We call GIST that just stands for, gratitude, intention, surrender, and trust. The more you're in a grateful state, and there are other good states as well, like appreciation, love, abundance, but the more you're in those heart-centered, open states, the more likely, and I say this is a little bit spiritual, but it's very based in physics, the more likely the universe will respond to your intentions. So then when you set your intentions and goals, um, because they're coming from that heart-centered place, they're more likely to be like anything that is more likely to be a win for society, yourself, um, and the other people involved. Like the universe is far more likely to support. And you know, whether you um, believe in the spiritual physics end or just in a practical manner, I mean, it's true in either you know from either viewpoint. And then I say from the surrender, the surrender and trust. You know, so as you were saying, like how we react to different situations you know generally when the universe will bring in your intentions it doesn't necessarily do it in a way that you might see as logical and it it might come with a little bit of conflict etc but and that's really where the surrender and trust comes in so you need you just you just surrender and trust that the universe well you surrender the how to the universe and then you trust that the universe has your best or your highest interests at heart for your own learning and unfolding. And I think, you know, the outcome of that to what you were saying with the emotions, you just don't, don't, don't react to other, you know, other people's emotions, just, just have awareness and gain some understanding from, you know, what that means. And o- over time, you know, reality will generally change well, it changes you for the better. Um, and then obviously in turn, your own, your own reality also changes for the, better too so i mean the whole gem it's really there to help you master your energy to master your life and then we all like we all have within that energy for life company we have an energy mastery program uh that basically helps you to master your energy and master your life across these four quadrants of life which are 
social, which is relationships, self as the inner work. There's a lot in health um, and <laughs> wealth. And wealth, it, wealth is really more, it's not, I mean, money is an aspect, but it, it's really about abundance and how energy flows within within and outside of your life. Harry, what does the future of health look like to you? What does the future of health look like? Um, so different, a, a number of aspects. So, you know, today or wh- where we've come from is the last hundred years, we've come from a very chemical based uh, system. You know, unfor- unfortunately, uh, the, with the Rockefellers like 80, 90 years ago, uh, like a lot of these ideas of, of subtle energy and energy fields, they actually existed 100 plus years ago. But because Rockefeller wanted to monetize like um, oil into the chemical industry and in turn the pharmaceutical industry, you know, most of this, these ideas got crushed and the AMA was formed and universities got formed just to focus on pure, pure big pharma. So that's the pro- that's the problem. So, if, but if I look going forwards, I re- I really see like healthcare and health as being you know it's one it's one coin and there's two sides. That the chemistry side is totally legitimate, but the bioenergetic side should be its should be its equal partner. So o- over time, that's where I see see the future of basically being able to expand scientists, um, the public, practitioners consciousness with with these ideas of biogenetics and the energy is, is as equally as important as chemistry i think the outcome of that is you know as people because they these ideas not only do they improve people's health with less less side effects less toxicity it also actually improves people's consciousness and if society is more conscious we should have we should have Less wars, um, you know, more logical. I say more, more logical, conscious um, government. Um, you know, should should be a better, fairer society for all. So that's why that's where I see the future. Uh, I'll take that future <laughs> any that day. Future. I look. I, I don't even want to go anywhere else because I feel like we we like we're vibrating up here. I do want to throw a few questions at you. I call these our impact ingredients, and these are sort of rapid fire outside the realm of the conversation we just had questions really about you and my first one is when you need it at a moment's notice how do you cultivate courage i have a big picture in my upstairs living room of a wolf and the picture is called face your fears so um for me like i i look at fear straight on and do it anyway generally i mean generally fear shows the way of what you should do Says the man who like fell off mountains and off climbs through ice that. tunnels and yeah. yeah. Okay, so we have like a fairly well, strong propensity. Another mountain, right? It's facing. Mm-hmm. That's mountain. yes, that's true. As you're telling those stories, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, your poor mother. Like, if my kids, gosh, she's here on Friday. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. What's your motivational beverage of choice? Motivational beverage. I don't. I don't think I have a drink to motivate me. I've never, I've never heard of that question. Um, I mean, mine is a pot of coffee. So, honestly, I have like fizzy, fizzy mineral water. I, 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 I don't drink for motivation. I for a bit of motivation. Like, I had a like a little square of chocolate before the podcast to give me a slight boost. So maybe it's chocolate. Okay, well, I'll, I'll take that. What's a non-negotiable for you in your life? 
Um, not living my purpose, that's non-negotiable. Like I'm I'm here to get bioenergetics out on the planet and that's what I do. So anything else or any other weird business idea that people come at us with is to me a distraction and I won't do it. As an entrepreneur, were you born with it or did you learn to become an entrepreneur? As as a kid, I thought I was gonna do something special and interesting. I absolutely did not know what it would be. I've definitely got that characteristics. I guess if you're asking generally, I, I do I do think you can be taught a lot of entrepreneurial skill sets and you see it over the ages, like the most successful companies or entrepreneurs are actually in their fifties and sixties. And so they weren't being there's a lot of people who were not entrepreneurs in their twenties and thirties and forties, and then they became them in their like they worked a career and then became the fifty sixties. So I, I do think you can you can learn it and be, come it you've i think just got to be very you just got to be relatively smart and logical <laughs> yeah and last question for you what do you want your legacy of impact to be exactly what we said by the time we're dead it looks like we're close like society is close um or already is recognizing and seeing bioenergetics as as equally important to health as biochemistry I'll die a happy man. I'll die happy anyway. <laughs> I'll die happy anyway. Harry Massey, I adore your work and what you are putting into the world. Where can we direct people, our practitioners, our entrepreneurial listeners, uh, to learn more about the incredible devices and tools and teachings that you're um, putting into the so world? So if you're either a practitioner, you know, it's interest system or, or you want to find a practitioner as a client, then go to neshealth.com. Um, actually, if you're interested in helping and supporting the research, because uh, we're definitely very, we do like raising money for research, that's bioenergetics.com. That's our, in, our nonprofit institute of bioenergetics. If um, you're interested in the gem and energy for life, that's energy for, which is like just the number four, life.com. Um, and I think not, I think in a month or so it's up for pre-sale as well. Amazing. Harry Massey, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast for anyone looking to those links. You can head on over to meganwalker.com forward slash podcast. We will hook you up with all the pieces and Harry, I'm super excited to see you at impact lives where we carry on this conversation about the future of health. Thanks for being with me. Thank you. It's a wonderful interview. <laughs> Impact is what lives on when we leave the room, tuck them in, or step off stage. It is less about what you do, more about how you make them feel, and everything about how you choose to show up in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this episode. I am your host, Megan Walker. Until next week, aim for impact. Impact.